Hey, everybody. Hope you survived the Missouri football bye week, the first of two. This has been Fredrickson with his Post-Dispatch back for another week of the Eye on the Tigers podcast here at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. I'm with Dave Matter, joins us from the Columbia Bureau. We will be together in Columbia on Saturday when the Missouri Tigers play Troy, a team that they know from experience, Dave, that, that can't be overlooked. Not the guys on this team, but you don't have to go back too far before a Missouri football team lost to Troy. Yeah, and Barry Odom was on that uh, Missouri staff back in 2004. Andy Hill, Cornell Ford. So there are people in the building who know what it's like to lose Detroit. Granted, that game was on the road at Troy, Alabama, against a really good Troy team that had you know Demarcus Ware on it. And um, you know, but this is a, a Troy program that's been doing this for years. I mean, they they went into Nebraska last year and, and won that game. They won at LSU two years ago. Uh, they've got five wins over over Power Five teams. The it's only been in the FBS since 2002, so it's not like they've been around forever. The big boys, they uh, they're a proud program. Get the kids that aren't picked to Alabama or Auburn, and um, a lot of kids from the South. Usually, some good coaches come through there, and they are not scary or intimidated when they step on the field against a Power Five team. They're a Sunbelt team, a team that's 2-2 two and two entering this game. They have wins against Campbell and, and Akron, but they've lost to Southern Mississippi and Arkansas State. One thing you'll realize is if you watch them or if you even just look at their at their schedule, they're scoring points even in their even in their losses. 43 points their first game, 42 points and a loss the next, 35, and then 43 and a loss. This offense has been one that Barry Odom has talked a lot about. And sometimes when you see the SEC school going up against the Sun Belt team, it's the coach kind of trying to find an edge for his team, a, a reason for these guys to to not be asleep. But but this team can't throw the football around, and they've got a quarterback who's put up some pretty big numbers, and he's a senior. Yeah, Caleb Barker, he uh, buried out the other day, and now I'm, I'm sure this is a speak, but he said he is as any quarterback they will play all year long. And that includes Jake Fromm, who's a pretty good quarterback at Georgia. So high praise from uh, from Barry. If, if you watch them play, they're deep a lot. I mean, they enough time, uh, and he'll throw it to his receivers, let them go get it. I don't know if that will work against really what has become a really good Missouri pass uh, here lately. Uh, I think Missouri secondary will be by far the best they have seen here. So some of those bump balls and some of those, um, you know, just 50-50 balls are in their favor, maybe like they would against Arkansas State or an Akron. Um, but that's kind of their recipe. So we'll, we'll see if uh, – this this will be a challenge for Missouri's defense. I mean, they can come out and play really well and, and hold Troy down, but um, this, is, this is an explosive offense. We want to talk about two things going on with the Missouri football team right now. That their their offense has scored thirty one points in nine consecutive games, and you know that that kind of depends on the opponent, and and that kind of you know is a little bit of a fluky stat. But when you look at the other teams that have done it, um, pretty good football teams, and now their defense is starting to round into form. They've got a defense that has already scored four touchdowns off of turnovers. Um, they're really making an impact on that side of the ball, and they're also just playing more solidly. We, we we haven't seen them give up very many big plays since that week one game in Wyoming. And if you actually look at number of big plays allowed, plays of 10-plus, 20-plus yards, Missouri's one of the best defenses in the country. Now, that will probably change as they play better opponents. But what I'm sensing here, Dave, is that this team is kind of starting to 
find its identity offensively where it can say, hey, we can go out and get you 30 points a game, and defensively where we say where they say, hey, we can be solid and, and create some turnovers. If they can keep those two things together as the competition gets better and better and the SEC schedule rolls on, they're going to be in a pretty good spot by the time this season comes to an end. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, they, they – Missouri is touting that stat a lot this week about the nine straight games. They need to kind of put an asterisk there. They only scored 14 points on offense against South Carolina, or I guess, I guess 17. <laughs> Great point. Remember, the defense scored two touchdowns. Yeah. So the defense gets a big assist in maintaining that streak. And that it goes back to your larger point. I mean, is that the identity of this team? Um, they're, they've been good enough offensively. And, heck, they were good enough offensively at Wyoming. They, they, they scored 31 points. And if it weren't for the turnovers, they would have scored more. They're getting ready to punch in a touchdown at halftime when Larry Roundtree had the fumble. So they have moved the ball really well for the most part. Um, even when the running game was a little sluggish at the beginning of that South Carolina game, they stuck with it. Derek Dooley just kept pounding it away. And by game's end, they had really worn down a really good South Carolina defensive front. Um, so, yeah, I, I think they have found an identity. This defense, the, the more you see of it, the more the Wyoming game looks like an outlier and the more it looks like this is what this team is. And really – You'd think in first week of October, okay, they're going to be tested a lot more down the season. Are they, though? Let's look at the schedule. I mean, Georgia is the next team that's going to have a winning record that Missouri plays at kickoff. You get Florida after that, but Florida goes through a, a real gauntlet before they get to Missouri. And then after that, you get Tennessee and Arkansas. So, um, you know, they have been tested to a degree, but they're not going to be that, that much tested, at least based on what we've seen from their opponents, that much more. They do have three road games in a row. Vandy, Kentucky, Georgia, but Kentucky looks pretty lifeless at this point. Vandy's Vandy. Ole Miss is is, is scuffling along. Um, so you know this this could be one of the better tests they have offensively for a while. And that's a it's a good time for that because looking at some of these numbers, you're wondering if this defense could be one of those defenses that that helped Barry Odom get a head coaching job. Um, you know we don't know yet, but but it's starting to look that way. Missouri is right now 12th in scoring defense in the country. They have a top 10 um, third down conversion rate, you know, defense wise. They have a top 10 red zone conversion rate. They're, they're, they're really being tough, you know, up in critical situations against the goal line on third downs. These are the qualities of a, of a very good defense, including the turnovers. Not only are they creating turnovers, they are, they're, picking off passes and returning them for touchdowns. I mean, they're taking advantage of the turnovers. How much of this is a credit to Coach Gibbs? And we talked a lot this offseason about you know his impact, and he kind of is almost the Pied Piper of, of turnovers. But it's, it does seem like that emphasis is starting to pay off. I, I think that's part of it. You know, it's not his guys, his corners that are really creating a lot of it. They're playing well, but I don't know if they're the real difference makers. I, I think a big part of it is – they're better up front, and yeah. I think having Jordan Elliott playing a starring role. You know, last year he played behind Terry Beckner Jr. and Terry didn't have his best senior year. Um, Elliott's playing better now, I think, than Beckner did at any point in his career. Uh, you've got uh, Kobe Whiteside, who might be playing even better. He's got three sacks. He's one of the leaders in the whole SEC as for interior linemen. Trey Williams is being productive on the edge. Chris Turner's been productive on the edge. So they're getting something from their front four. It's it's not. D-line zoo yet. I mean, I don't think it deserves, you know, the, to be put up there with the Shane Ray and Marcus Golden and the, um, you know, the lines that were so outstanding, Sheldon Richardson. But they're they're making a difference up front. And then obviously Kale Garrett behind them is playing as well as any linebacker in the country. 
And uh, another big development is these safeties are finally making plays. You see Tyree Gillespie and Joshua Bledsoe impacting plays consistently, whether they're sent on a blitz and getting pressure or they're knocking down passes in the in the in deep uh you know down the middle they're they're doing a lot of things and they're not missing tackles either they, they missed a couple against wyoming they haven't since then so it's, i think it's just all around from front to middle to back um this is shaping up to be you know the best defense since barry's been head coach now that 2015 defense during that awful season was pretty good when he was a coordinator um but you know this is different now they're doing it and they're getting a little more production from their offense and it just looks like a more complete team. Yeah, they've got they've got two and a half sacks average per game. Uh, for for a little comparison, Alabama has the same amount of sacks as Missouri, and they've played an extra game. Now competition's been yep. a bit different, but that's a pretty good average. And if they can keep that up or even increase it a little bit, then that makes that makes life for those secondary members a lot easier. Um, that increases the amount of interceptions. I mean, you're just you're 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 causing discomfort and I think that'll be the key in, in kind of shaking up this Troy offense that can move the ball, but it it should not have faced athletes like it will see on Saturday in Columbia. Um, quickly, Dave, turning the page to to some Missouri basketball news. Um, not good news for the Tigers, um, but not all that not not all that unexpected. Caleb Love makes his commitment here in St. Louis this week, and he's going to North Carolina. We knew that North Carolina was the favorite, and we also knew that it was down between two schools, Missouri and North Carolina. Some interesting comments from Caleb Love after his commitment, talking about you know he had the best relationship with Consul Martin in Missouri. Um, yet chose to go to UNC, and you know I don't know. I, I understand fans who who say, "Look, there's no such thing as second place in recruiting." Totally get it, um, absolutely. But I also think that you know if you want your program to land these kind of players, then you're going to miss on a lot of them, and you got to just kind of keep chipping away and and keep making sure that these guys know that there's no other school that will recruit them harder than Missouri, and eventually you're going to land one. But until that comes, then there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of roller coaster. Yeah, you know, it, I think it's one of those situations where I'm not sure what more Conzo Martin and his staff could have done because, as, as Caleb said, and I don't know him, you know, you've interviewed him, I, I take him at his word. He doesn't seem like one of these kids that's all about the show and, you know, constantly updating his Instagram with just pictures of himself, um, you know, eating lunch <laughs> or whatever. low-key shot at Michael he, Porter Jr. out of nowhere? Oh, no, not at all. No, no <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Um, but, you know, he said that nobody worked harder recruiting him than, than Conzo, and that's who he had the best relationship with. Now, he might just be throwing that out there to kind of give a consolation prize to the home state team. But I think the only thing differently that Conzo could have done is won 25 games last year and made the tournament and, <laughs> right. and 25 games the year before and yeah. gone to the Final Four because you just, at the end of the day, when you walk into the Dean Dome and you see all those banners, Missouri can't compete with that right now. And uh, if this is a kid who thinks he's going to play one year in college, which most of them think that he might be one that has that talent to do that, he wants to make the most of it and, and play in the Final Four. And Conzo might believe he has a team to do that, but that's a harder sell for him. Uh, also, you just look at look at the guard situation. Both teams, you know, they've got a, a one and done kid, Cole Anthony, coming to North Carolina this year. is widely projected as a as a lottery pick next year. He'll be gone, and then you hand the ball to Caleb Love and say, okay, it's your show now. Missouri doesn't have that same situation. I think it's good for Missouri. They've got all these guards that will be back a year after this coming season. But if you're if you're Caleb Love and studying lineups, um, 
are you going to play over Drew Smith and Mark Smith and Xavier Pinson right away immediately? I, you know, it's it's not it's not the perfect setup for a, for a lead guard. So uh, in the end, though, it's hard to compete with a blue blood like North Carolina when you've got a kid who's going to play maybe just one or two years of college basketball, and and you're still Missouri with with not the just not the cachet, and that's unfortunate. But you can still win without five stars. There's no doubt about that. We saw that in the Final Four last year. Um, but it's it's harder when you focus all your attention, all your work on one guy, and you don't get him. And then all of a sudden, you're in October, and signing day's in November. Is there a backup plan? Not not anybody that's as good as Caleb Love. Yeah, that's the that's the I guess the risk of of, of going big on on one guy that's going to be tough to land. Is it sometimes can leave you scrambling a little bit so we'll see how how Conzo scrambles uh, this is not uh this is not new territory to him and and some of he's picked up some good players in this phase where the you know a guy goes elsewhere and he has to come up with with a, a replacement of sorts so we'll see what uh, what he comes up with but I did think it was interesting that Caleb Love made a point to praise Missouri after picking North Carolina that that stood out to me as you know as a relationship that mattered to him and when I interviewed him I mean you've done this enough Dave you know you talk to guys sometimes where they're just you know they're saying something that you know that that, that people want them to say or they're they I didn't get that impression from Caleb Love I, I genuinely felt like like he had a relationship with Conzo Martin that mattered now um, did it matter more than to have a chance to go play for Michael Jordan school and and you know seeing Roy William show up in his Carolina blue blazer and all shucks and, and flashing the rings. Well, apparently not. <laughs> but uh, you know that's a that's a tough sell, and uh, it's interesting to me that that Missouri hung around as long as it did. And I think one of these days that's gonna that's gonna break through. But more than anything, uh, no matter how many open gyms you attend or or how many games you go to watch, it's it's gonna be how many games you win in Columbia, Missouri. Um, that's gonna be your best recruiter. And uh, until the until the Tigers can can do that consistently, then they're going to be fighting an uphill battle against the Carolinas and the Dukes and and the other blue blood programs that are trying to get on some of this elite talent that's coming out of the St. Louis area. So that's that for now, and we'll see where recruiting goes from there. Um, we also wanted to hit on something that's kind of I guess been a discussion about around college sports as a whole this week, and it's a good time to do it because. Look, I think we're both predicting Missouri to beat Troy. I think that's a game that Missouri should win, and the way it's played lately, it needs to win and will win. Um, so I don't know that it, it does us the best interest to go, you know, into the greatest minute detail of breaking down the Tigers' Troy. Missouri needs to handle its business and, and go out and win a football game, and there will be bigger games down the line. But but one of the discussions that, that we haven't had a chance to touch on, and we don't really get that much time to go just college sports at large, so this is a good chance this week this this pay to play act in, in in college sports the the fair pay to play it's been signed into into law in California by by the governor Gavin Newsom it's appeared on LeBron James show um, the shop where they're talking about it with the governor about what it means for college athletes to be able to benefit off their name image and likeness now what's also happened is a swift pushback from the NCAA you know the NCAA has started a basically a a working group if you will to kind of investigate the idea of what letting players benefit off their name image and likeness could look like and this bill in california has moved much faster than that working group would like the ncaa wants to do this on their terms and and as in response to california saying no we're going to do it on our terms there's been 
some 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 rhetoric. There's been some pushback. There's been a lot of sparring between athletic department leaders and politicians, and it's basically left I think the common general average Joe fan who doesn't have the time to read everything under the sun on this, and I don't blame him because it's not exactly the most juicy reading. It's left people confused, Dave, and and I want to. I thought we could have a chance to, and it was your idea. It's a great idea to kind of try to set the record straight on what this means and what it doesn't as this conversation moves forward, because it is important and it could definitely change the the landscape of college sports. Not necessarily for 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 better or for worse, but it could be different. So let's dive into that, and I guess just to start it off, your your first impressions of what's going on in California and the reaction to it across the country. I really like the concept of it, um, and this this transcends football and men's basketball. I mean, there's so many non-revenue athletes out there who could benefit from this, and that that's another one of the, I think, the mistakes people are making when they think about this. They're thinking about only in the terms of the quarterback at Alabama or Clemson getting an extra payday because he's going to appear on a, a, a car uh, salesman's commercial. But what about the Krisha Swizers, who are the best runner in the nation, who's on a barely a you know a partial scholarship at Missouri? Why can't Nike throw her some money, or a, a, another company, or a, a local um, you know place in Columbia that wants to use her and her likeness, or a Jaden Cox, um, and, and help them out too? That th- this can this can help a lot of different athletes. This is not just about trying to put some money in the pocket of the biggest stars in in college sports on the biggest stages and 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 before we even get to that i think one we have to point out this is not pay to play this is not about allowing the schools to pay athletes a salary but there's there's i think some people out there are intentionally kind of blurring the lines between what this idea in california is and this other concept that has been brought up but kind of shot down by schools and the NCAA of, of athletic department taking money out of their revenue and paying their athletes on top of their scholarship, on top of the cost of attendance stipend that they get. That, that's not what this is. None of this money that's being talked about going to athletes is coming from an athletic department's budget. This is this is private. This is um, you know from companies, from outside sources that want to pay athletes for their name image likeness like you said so I, I think some people are intentionally blurring those lines so that this sounds worse and it sounds like something that's going to open this pandora's box to this awful evil thing now i do think there's concerns about how it's going to impact recruiting At the end of the day though you know i think it just falls in line with what capitalism is in a free market and people are worried that this is going to turn out and clemson and georgia and lsu to these superpowers that get all the great players. Guess what? That's been happening for years. I mean, I don't, that's what I don't understand. People think that this is going to make Alabama suddenly get the best players in college football. Well, <laughs> they already get them. You, you can't go higher than the number one class. You already have that. If anything, I think this can help. Everybody has rich boosters. It's not just Alabama and Georgia and LSU and Clemson. Um, Missouri didn't build that South End Zone facility by, you know, going door to door and, uh, for handouts they have boosters everywhere so i i think there's some there's something to this that i think can work it's just going to take some time you got to have to i think it's got to be not necessarily equal but you got to have some kind of uniform way about this from state to state 
Uh, and, and the NCAA is going to eventually cave, I think, and step in and, and have their say and make a system that is doable because this is the future. I mean, it, there was a time where, you know, nobody was talking about women's sports because they didn't think that, you know, anybody would pay attention. Well, look where we are now. So let's, let's not, you know, pretend that this is, is not possible. No, it is possible. If, if, if smart people do smart things, we can make a way to make this right. I think it I think it takes a couple things. It takes realizing the scope and the and the width and the height of college athletics. Um it is making more money now than ever before. Billions of dollars. The NCAA is is making money hand over fist and the people who are making a lot of this money, college presidents, um athletic directors, coaches, I mean you see some of these coaching salaries that are just staggering you see these 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 television rights that are just staggering and you say okay this is clearly a business a big business a profitable business and this discussion some people are saying you know athletes deserve a bigger cut of that pie now you might agree with that you might not agree with it personally i agree with it but 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 okay i can hear your case for that if it start if that pie's started to get cut up for the players then it's then it's a problem in part for one reason. How do you determine who gets what? Now that's the that's right. the problem with paying college athletes in terms of just hey take all the revenue from the NCAA and give them a check because who earns what? I mean if you are former Clemson quarterback Deshaun Watson, um, you're gonna probably earn more, probably deserve more than the guy who's the best player on the Clemson golf team. Okay, so that's the problem. How do you play? How do you pay men's versus women's? The the discussion that's happening now with this fair pay to play act has nothing to do with that, and that's why I think it's the right way to go. The discussion that's happening now is solely limiting this to name, image, and likeness. What does that mean? That does not mean the university is giving the the, the player anything other than what they're already given. You know, their their scholarship, which is valuable. I'm I'm not one of the people who says the scholarships don't matter. They're incredibly valuable. And they also give them room and board and meals, and some are giving them a cost of of living, um, you know, or a, a cost of living boost as well. These are all good things, and and they should be getting these things, considering we just talked about how much stinking money this thing is making. Um, this is about name, image, and likeness, which means that they can get a revenue income or source of income from their image, from their name, from 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 simply being who they are. This would be no different than if a college player or a college student was at a university and he was an outstanding musician and he got a sponsorship for, you know, a certain brand of instrument. The the school would not kick this person out of school for that. The school would not the school would not tell him he could no longer attend class or no longer compete in band competitions. Um, or, or you know, have his band play at, at, at college bars. It wouldn't happen. So this is no different. It simply says that that car dealership in town that wants to put its name on the you know the the school billboard during games might want it might be able to say, hey, no, you know what? No, we want to have a commercial with the quarterback in it. Now, if you think that opens up Pandora's box, and if you think it's going to lead to money being handed to players and backdoor dealing, it's actually the opposite of that. It's going to be moving it up front and putting a light on it as opposed to what's happening now where it's going down in backdoor deals and that quarterback's driving a car that no one knows how he got and no one knows where it came from. This stuff happens anyway. But this is simply allowing it to move out to the front and not punishing players for it. 
to me, this is this this is better because then you don't have to decide. Well, how does Sophie Cunningham get paid compared to compared to Kelly Bryant? It's up to them. It's up to who wants to 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 sponsor them or who wants to who wants to give them an endorsement. And and it also opens things up to like a Jaden Cox who's who's not going to be a marquee name because of the sport that he that he participates in, but was a star at Mizzou. Why couldn't he have had an ASIC sponsorship in college? You know, one of the one of the prime wrestling gear. Why couldn't that have happened? And these are the things that make common sense. These are what Olympic athletes do. That's the model, the Olympic athlete model, right. where they're where they're where they're able to have sponsors. And and, the, and and if you're if you're good enough and big enough, and if you are appealing enough to a sponsor, then you can benefit from that. And that way, the colleges don't have to say, "Well, we have to worry about who gets what." No, you don't. It's a free market, just like our country was founded on. So that's what, what what's confusing to me is these college presidents who are. It seems like they're 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 intentionally trying to distort the conversation by by acting as if this is like them digging into their pockets and cutting a check. The only thing that it could do, and it could do this, would be taking some of the money out of their system because it's another avenue to give it straight to the players. And I think that's what they're right. really concerned about. And there are a couple who've come out, at least had the, the stones to come out and say directly that. Right. If I'm, if I'm Jim Sterk, am I worried that my big donors, instead of putting money in my uh, account to build the South End Zone, um, and, and or build something that, in the end, will help these athletes, instead they're shortcutting me out of the system and just giving directly to the athletes. I, I think that should be a fear, and that's fine. That's how the real world works. I, I looked up some contracts last night, and just to kind of put in perspective, and I'm, I'm again, I'm not somebody like you said. I, I'm not someone that thinks that these athletes are getting nothing out of their their deal. Um, I don't like saying they're getting a free education because free implies that they don't have to do anything in return. No, they have to get up for 6 a.m. meetings and workouts, and they have to comply with everything that those coaches put in front of them, without the guarantee of playing time. Otherwise, they're out the door. So it's not free. Those guys put in a lot of work. Um, those guys and those ladies that are on the teams at, at Missouri and teams everywhere. So it's not free. They're not just handed an education, say, okay, do with it what you want after four years, no obligations from you. Um, there's a lot of requirements to go along with that. But think about this. If Missouri, if their football team this year, any season, if they make the SEC title game, make the title game, don't win it, Jim Sterk automatically gets a bonus of $25,000. The equipment manager the um, recruiting uh, manager, the video coordinator, the communications director, they all get bonuses between two and $7,000 just for making the SEC championship game. What, what does Kelly Bryant get besides, you know, risking himself to further CTE or, or Larry Roundtree? What do they get? Well, they get a nice watch if they go to a bowl game. If, if Missouri goes to a playoff bowl, Sturt gets 37500 So, we're paying these, not we, but the system is paying the, the administrators. We're paying the coaches. Barry Odom gets fifty thousand dollars if they go to a uh, win the SEC or play in the SEC championship. We're just throwing all this money, all this money that comes from the conference revenue that comes from donors, at these administrators, at the other staffers, throwing it at the coaches, and what? And these athletes can't do a radio spot for. Uh, a, a restaurant in town because that would destroy their amateur status. I mean, what what kind of world? What kind of system are we living in? That that's not the case in any other realm of America. 
but somehow the NCAA has convinced these schools and a lot of fans that, yes. that that would be the worst thing ever for that to happen. And that's that's what I don't get. I don't get a lot of these fans um, who are who are so against this concept. And I think it's just because they've been brainwashed by this idea of amateurism over the years that they think this will this will make this whole system implode. Absolutely, and it would be it would be bad enough if, if simply there was a lim- a, a, a locked door on on there being a benefit to a player's name, image, and likeness for everyone. But 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 here's the thing: there's a this there's this even more ridiculous double standard. And if you listen to Diana Taurasi, she talks about going into you know the gift st- the gift shop at her college, and they're selling her uniform. <laughs> yeah, she's not getting that check. So who's where's it going? It's going to either the school or the athletic department or split, but but she's getting no cut of it. Um, you see, you can see, you know, you come, you drive through through Columbia or St. Louis or Kansas City, and you'll see a Missouri player on a billboard. You know, you'll see these things. You'll you'll see a, a you'll see a they don't have their maybe not have their names on them, but you'll see uniforms being sold around the country. It's certainly not hard to find you know the name the number of the of the team's uniform that you want or the player you like. Um, just go to the the student bookstore. I mean, you see all these things, and and that money's going somewhere. That's the point, people. It doesn't just it doesn't just dry up into the air. So, what is the case for the people who actually made that uniform desirable? Um, not getting a single a single sliver of it, um, you know that's 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 the thing. And I'm even I'm even okay, Dave. If 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 the if the discussion is, hey, you know, we think it would directly tilt the landscape of college sports by having you know a quarterback on campus who's making a million dollars from his Nike endorsement. Um, we think that would like misrepresent or, or completely screw up the college experience. I'm not all the way there on that, but I can at least I can have that discussion. I think it would be, I think it would be different, and I would be entertained the idea of finding some way to put it in a you know the money that you earn during that time goes into some sort of you know trust or some sort of some sort of account that is accessed after college. Um, I don't think they should pin it on graduation yeah. because that's not fair. And a lot of these a lot of guys don't graduate because they go to the pro they go to the you know the pros during their time whatever. I don't think they can they can they can pin it on that. But but I would even be okay to setting it aside for later, um, you know, or you know, doing something along those lines. And and I don't know how that would work. And and I need to read more into that. But I'll even entertain that idea. But to say that there's there's nothing that can be done, or that it can't be, it should not be allowed, or that it's bad, I I think it's I think it's just simply clinging to the status quo, which ultimately is what the NCAA wants. And I've been disappointed in how they've handled this because they saw this coming. We all did. And, right. and they simply, instead of being the good guys for once, they dug in their heels, and now they look like the bad guys. And that seems to be their leadership under Mark Emmert, who refuses to see what the people who work for him see. Um, the tide is changing beneath him, and he's still out fighting this war that makes him look really bad. So um, we'll see where yeah. we'll see how it progresses. Uh, I think it's going to be a national topic. It has been for a while, but now that Gavin Newsom signed the deal, it's, it's going to be bigger. And you're already seeing it become yeah. a bigger, bigger deal. So we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, I had a couple points, and this goes back what you said. I thought was interesting about how they're going to figure out when these guys and if there's going to be a cap on how much these athletes can make. And this might be pie in the sky, but let's just take an example. Let's say John Tay Porter. Let's say he's making a little bit of money um, for his name, image, or likeness at Missouri. If that's the case, and not that money was the issue for him, or say a Jeremiah Tillman, maybe he's less inclined to go to the NBA. 
maybe maybe this leads to some players sticking around college longer. A lot of these guys that end up going to the pros early, they feel like they have to do it out of financial reasons, whereas they really enjoy you know, being in the college atmosphere. Not all of them like going to class, um, but they like their teammates, they like their coaches. Maybe that ends up being, and this shouldn't be the reason they do this, but it could be maybe an unintended consequence that more these elite players stick around college a little bit longer. Um, and, and maybe this is something that we look back on and say, hey, it kind of worked out that way, not the way we planned it. Um, you know, another thing, I, I heard a lot of, of fans that are so worried that this is how this is going to play out. Rich donor at, let's just randomly pick a school, let's say LSU. There's a recruit out there that's looking at five different schools. This rich donor says, hey, I'll give you a $100,000 job once you sign. And uh, I can't pay you now, obviously, because you're a high school player. But once you're a college player in Baton Rouge, um, you'll be working for me under salary. Will that lead to, um, you know, again, kind of unintended consequences of this turns into a recruiting thing? Well, you know, is that the worst thing ever? Will that destroy college football? Will programs that maybe can't compete on the field have, you know, really rich backers? Some people mentioned to me SMU or Houston. Um, will that change the game? Sounds familiar. I don't know. Will it make it worse? Will Missouri be left in the dust? <laughs> Missouri's got some rich donors. I mean, that that South End Zone facility didn't pay for itself. So I, I don't know if that is really the worst thing that could happen. It's going to make some things – I think, like you said, it'll, it'll make this more transparent than the slimy underground system that we have now that has been exposed in college basketball and surely is going on to some degree in college football. Yeah, if anything, it will make sure that money actually goes to the player as opposed to $50,000 to the runner right. and $50,000 to right. the AAU coach and the player never even knew it happened. And then the player gets tagged right. by the NCAA and the player has to lose his, his season of eligibility for something he exactly. didn't know about. That happens. And that's why FBI is investigating the corruption to college basketball. Look, people, this makes money, and the, and, and the money is going to flow whether whether they pretend it's there or not. So actually acknowledging that it's there and that it's valuable, that allows it to come on the books. That allows it to be monitored. That, that allows it to be tracked, and that keeps it out of the hands of people who want to do harm to these athletes. That's the whole point of this. I mean, the money's not right. going to go anywhere. It's already there. It's This isn't putting money into college sports. It's it's acknowledging that the money is in college sports and actually finding a way to get it to the people who are playing the games, who are putting their bodies on the line for our entertainment. That's that's my point. And I, I think people, too, are losing sight of the concept of return on investment. I, I don't think donors are going to start shelling out six figures for a three-star offensive lineman. Because what does that get them? I, you know, the high-priced recruits, the five-star guys, yeah, you know, I, they could really benefit from this. But if you're running a car dealership, you've got to sell cars. You've got to make your money. Um, you've got a business. People that are really rich are usually pretty good with their money. They're not going to overspend. The, the market here, if it becomes a market where these athletes are, are getting paid, um, you know, in, in this route, uh, it'll it, it'll correct itself. You know, it, it's it. I don't. I just don't think it's going to become the wild, wild west like some people imagine. If anything, I think this will add not necessarily structure, but it'll there will be some sunlight on the whole process. And sure, if there's some donor out in uh, at Kentucky paying basketball players, you know, millions of dollars, um, you know, is any, the first time they, they don't get to a Final Four, is that money going to dry up? So yeah, I, I think some of the fear-mongering that's out there 
is is just that it's it's not really based in reality and common sense yeah if you actually look at what some of these players have gotten popped for getting or their handlers getting and they're not getting any of it it's not yeah. numbers they're not, not numbers that, that are staggering <laughs> in in the grand scheme of things i guarantee you i would feel safe saying this there will not be any player who gets a you know a sponsorship or whatever you want to call it that is worth more than one of the SEC head coaches is getting annually. I would I would feel right. I would feel pretty safe saying that. So, um, Dave, we'll, we'll leave it there. We got to run because we've gone long here, but I, I've enjoyed this. This is fun. I, I love talking over this stuff with you, and I, and I hope folks who listen don't mind us taking a little bit of a an, an audible, if you will, to dive into this because we've been texting about, it, we've been talking about, it, we kind of wanted to bring the discussion here and hash it out. So. We will be uh, at Troy on on Saturday. Look forward to seeing you. And uh, we'll have coverage at stltoday.com. For folks who want to subscribe to the podcast, we we hope you do. It's very easy to find. You go to iTunes, just punch in I'm a Tigers podcast. If you're looking for it online, go to stltoday.com slash podcast. There's been a fan who's been very diligently asking me about how to get it on Stitcher. I'm going to inquire about that, and we're going to try to get that figured out. So thanks for for that, and, and we'll try to get it solved. And and uh, we'll keep these coming. We'll have uh, we'll have one every every week the rest of the football season and beyond as as things move to basketball. So for Dave Matter, I'm Ben Fredrickson. We will talk to you next week.